and welcome to Brook Talks America, home of the New Right and our Tactical Tuesdays podcast with Joe Dolio, also known forever and in, in, in perpetuity as the Joe Stradamus and Brooke the Magnificent Show. Welcome to Joe and Lucy, which will have a pitter-patter somewhere in the back. Um, just a reminder that you can sign up at each of our sites for alerts on new articles and shows. Mine is brooktalksamerica.com. Joe's is tactical dash wisdom.com and of course leave us a comment to say how much you love the show uh we are coming to the end of book two in joe's tactical wisdom book series fieldcraft today's will be on chapters 14 and 15 on team movement and fieldcraft tips respectively as you know hopefully you've been with us throughout, but you can always go and hear the old, you know, the archived podcast, but we've discussed everything from med kits to standing in prone position to fitness to like everything in between. But what, what basically what we discussed here to four is defensive measures to protect you and your loved ones in a without rule of law situation. And as Joe always says, you know, his 72 hour theory proves correct over and over. It's a snap of a finger to get from here to there where you're living normally. And then all of a sudden bombs away. Um, the prime objective this far though, has been to do whatever you can to not be seen and therefore not engage. This is defensive. We'll be discussing methods of operation under those circumstances, you know, offensive in his next book, uh, Defensive Operations. That's the Mad Max stuff. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, sort of, but not really. Right. Uh, wink, wink to Agent right. Jansen, who's listening. <laughs> so we've talked at length about individual movement, different types of positions, like I said, such as taking the knee and not in the Kaepernick way, prone position, crawling, etc. Now, we're going to be talking about what to do with your team, right? Which you're ideally working on developing. As Joe says, only on TV, if you're Rambo, do you survive alone? When it hits the fan, you need a crew. So Joe, talk about how to organize your team, what the buddy pair system is, and where that originally came from. Right on. So um, first thing we want to do is, is once we've learned all the skills in the book, we want to learn how to, how to start putting them together as, as a group moving together, right? So to do that, we've got to organize into, into a little bit larger teams. Um, the first thing we have is what's called a buddy pair, and that's just two people. Uh, if, if, if I'm doing one thing, the person is with me watching over me uh, and vice versa. And that actually is, is a biblical concept. It comes from Ecclesiastes 4.12. It says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves which is true. Um, one person watches over the other and the, while the other works. So uh, you're able to protect yourself. So that's pretty cool. It's one of the verses we have in the book. So and it's for team, everybody who's ever been to camp. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. If you go to camp, there's always a buddy, right? So <laughs> accountability. So you know where everyone is. And this is when you do anything. You go and get water, you go and, and, and take the showers, you go and, and um, get food and whatever. And you know what, as I'm writing um, book four, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, book four. I, I, I brought up a point on this buddy pair thing is that it should not be a husband and wife or boyfriend, girlfriend or boyfriend, boyfriend, whatever romantic relationship you have. Those two cannot be a buddy pair for two reasons. Number one, uh, it's distracting. Right. They're going to want to talk to each other, whatever. Uh, two, Especially in the they, shower. Just say, go ahead. Just here, right. Uh, and two is uh, should something bad happen? They will go to ridiculous and dangerous lengths to protect each other, uh, which will put the rest of the team in the, in the larger organization at risk. Good so point. it should, should not be. Don't put husbands and wives on the same buddy team. So once you've got two people paired up as a buddy pair, you pair that pair with another pair. And we have what's called the fire team. And that's four people. And it's the same concept. When one buddy team is is moving, the other buddy team is watching. One buddy team is covering left. The other one is covering right whatever. So after after the fire team, I put two fire teams together, I have a squad. Uh, now, the Marine Corps uses three fire teams, but that's because they walk everywhere and the Army rides in vehicles, so they have a little bit smaller teams. But whatever you do, two or three, um, we usually won't have enough people for three in a without rule of law situation. So we'll probably just have two fire teams to a squad. Don't worry about the name so much as putting groups together to operate together, right? Try to maintain that 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 two person group and that four person group and then put those building blocks together to make bigger teams for whatever you might need. Oh, um, 
So anyway, the buddy pair is our basic building block. Whenever we're doing anything, the pairs do everything together. Um, as it's our entire basis for, for things, and we, and we go up from there. So once you get them together, we have to start moving together. Uh, and that's the important part. And, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But security is our number one concern in a without rule of law situation, right? Because there's going to be three things to worry about. Number one is physical danger from from whatever the problem is. There's no electricity. The, the roads are damaged, whatever. The, the number two problem is food and water availability. And the number three problem is people behaving badly. So we have to have security as one of our main concerns. Um, there'll be no longer be consistently functioning law enforcement. There might be a, a police department here and there that's trying to remain up and running, but overall, they're not going to be around. And if there is a police department up and running, they're going to be like glorified security guards. They're going to be protecting government buildings and, and things like that. They're not going to be out protecting you as you travel across the country. So you're going to have to handle that yourself. So think of Minneapolis got, after George Floyd, what they did. Exactly. Or Kenosha or any yeah. of these places or Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, this Saturday night. What happened? Uh, uh, well, we had riots due to the shooting that uh, that occurred here uh, a week ago. So um, there was some pretty bad riots in downtown Grand Rapids, including um, one person was trapped at a traffic stop by the crowd and a guy walked up to his window with a gun in his hand. Um, now, had I been driving that car, it would have had a very different outcome. But this guy drove off. I mean, they, they finally moved out of his way and, and let him get out of there. But uh, you can't just walk up to a car. Uh, with a gun in your hand for someone who had literally nothing to do with the police shooting, right? What were you, the races, can I ask you? Oh, it's obvious. You know what you can do? If you want to learn everything you want to know about the Patrick Leoya shooting, you can go to my new YouTube channel, uh, Tactical Wisdom. Uh, on YouTube. Actually, go to YouTube and search J. Leo. My channel will come up. And I have a 23-minute uh, where uh, video where me and another Marine analyze the shooting. Uh, it was a white officer and a black suspect. Um, the the young man is from the Congo. Um, he runs from the officer. They get in a struggle. He takes the taser away from the officer, and the and the officer shot him. Mm. Um, but if you want a real good play-by-play -play analysis where we take four different videos and splice them, and you can see every possible view of this shooting, um, check out the YouTube channel. Well, there was one almost exactly like this in Atlanta. I can't remember the guy's name, but it's like – they yeah, they yeah. don't even Ray, care Brooks. about these people. Yeah. Yeah, oh. that was the guy. Ray Card Brooks. Yeah. Yes. They don't even care about these people. They're just looking for an excuse to write. And I'm sorry, but this is all midterm practice yeah. for the summer. Exactly. So Ben oh. Crump flew into town last week. Oh and my I, God, Crump town Trump. And said, Here it comes. We're starting a new summer of love. And then that's exactly what happened over the weekend. So um yeah, you'll be on your own the minute this thing happens because the Grand Rapids Police Department immediately went to protecting their building. Uh, and that was that, right? Uh, the rest of downtown was on their own. And there was a lot of property damage, um, a lot of violence, a, a lot of threats, uh, and a lot of just general lawlessness. So imagine if you were staying at the Amway Grand Plaza Hotel downtown Grand Rapids where this happened, and you wanted to get out of there. Well, you'd be completely on your own. So you need to, you need to be thinking about this right now for what you're going to do when things fall apart. Um, so when we get divided into our teams and we start moving, everyone looks in a different direction. So if I've got a four-man team, like we just talked about, right, two buddy pairs, the person in front looks to the front. The person at the back, well, he's going to look to the back. And the two in the middle are going to alternate. One's going to look left, one's going to look right. And that's the way it's going to be all at all times. That seems easy enough when we say it, but your tendency when you're walking with a group is to watch the person in front of you. And we have to get away from that habit and start looking out. So when we're moving – uh, if we stop for any reason and take a break, there's two different postures we could take as a team. The first one we call short halt, and that's where we're just going to stop for a second to get our bearings, maybe look around, make sure no one's watching us or following us. Everyone's going to take a knee behind the nearest cover, whether it's a tree or a bush or whatever, watching their area, just down on one knee. So the person in front's going to be looking to the front. The person at back is going to turn around and face the back. And then the other ones in the middle are going to alternate which direction they are. One left, one right, one left, one right, no matter how many people you have. And they're just going to keep looking outward and watching. Everyone keeps their backpack on. You're just taking a quick look. This is the five to ten minute halt. If we're going to stop for longer than that and actually rest, it's called the long halt. And everyone's just going to lay down, take off their backpack, lay down behind the best cover they can find, 
and put their backpack on the ground. But we're going to put it down in a certain way so that if I have to get up in a hurry, I can grab it. So I'm going to put it frame down, which that means the frame is the part that touches your back, right? I'm going to put it frame down on my non-shooting side. So if I shoot with my right hand, it'll be on my left side. If I shoot with my left hand, it'll be on my right side um, with the handle facing me so that I can grab it and run if I have to. Um, this, this, this is going to allow you to rest and give you some good protection and gives you the ability to move out quickly. Um, on a long halt, you can let half the people rest while half the people watch and then switch off. Um, so it's a good uh, it's a good way to rest for like a half hour or an hour and give everybody a little break. But you want to get as low as possible and out of anyone else's line of sight. The entire point is to try to not be seen so that you don't get into conflict, but be ready to have a conflict if one comes to you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, and again, you think about something as simple as thinking about your handle being right there next to you. That's something that we have discussed all throughout. It's those little details that, as I say, like make it part of your DNA. Every time you think, how would you do this? Where are you going to set this? If you have to go super fly out of here, you want to have to go over there to get your pack or you want to have it right there. Do you want to have it upside down? You want to have the handle away? These are seconds become crucial. So even something yeah, as simple as that. Yeah, that's why when we were talking about picking out a backpack, I said, make sure you pick one with a handle on top, right? Yeah. Uh, and and I say, put things that you might use regularly on the outside pouches or the top pouches so that you can get to them while it's laid down next to you without a lot of movement. Yeah. Um, really small, small things. You know, this is funny. Is we had a discussion the other day on, on Twitter, uh, on Goon Twitter, about um, – what, what makes somebody a special operator or whatever, like like a Green Beret or a SEAL? It's not any super secret techniques they learn. It's getting really, really good at these things, mm, right? Yeah. Getting these basic things so ingrained into your being that it becomes second nature and you become so good at it. Uh, it it's like the difference between a white belt and a black belt in martial arts. Uh, it's just doing the same things the white belt did just better because you've been doing it for longer. So getting yourselves into these habits. So, so well, and when that's, I read uh, it, honestly, when I read your books and I read these chapters prepping for the show, I just always have this thought like Joe wasn't just in the Marines. Joe is a Marine. Like it is you. Part of my identity. Of life. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. What, what does S L L S stand for? How long you should do uh, it? And why it could be dangerous to cut corners on this. Absolutely. So we call that a SEALS, uh, which is a stop, look, listen, and smell. So anytime I, I pause, it's going to be like five or ten minutes. Don't shorten this. Uh, it's to stop, look, listen, and smell for anyone else. Uh, I'm looking for any signs of movement, any any noises that are human in nature, like metal on metal noises. That always means humans. Uh, talking, cooking fire smell. Things like that. And cigarettes. Just takes yep, cigarettes. Absolutely. Great point. Um, just takes one knee and looks in their direction and just is quiet and waits. The tendency is to try to do it for like 30 seconds or a minute and then get up and move because you're in a hurry. Take the whole time. So let's just say there was another group that was following you and you knelt down for just a couple of minutes. Uh, they could catch up to you. Uh, after you got if you if you only sat down for 30 seconds, they wouldn't catch up to you. Right. They're still behind you. They're still following your tracks or whatever. But if I wait for 10 minutes, if they're following me, I'm going to eventually see them. Or if I did, I did one of these stop, look, listen, smells like before I crossed a road. Right. And I sit there and I look for about 30 seconds or a minute. I'm thinking, no, nah, nah, that's cool. There's nobody coming. And we get up and move and somebody comes along the road. Wait for a serious amount of time to make sure that there is no one moving in the area. Right. But what if you did one at the same time somebody else did another group that was uh, possibly hostile? They were three minutes into their stop, look, listen, smell. And you just started one. Uh, you get up at two minutes. They're still in theirs and you're moving and they see you. Right. So you, you really don't don't shortcut that. Take five to ten minutes and just be still and listen and watch for what's going on. Um, it's the same thing with hunting, right? A lot of guys want to move around and be, be loud and keep moving while they're hunting. Stop and, and pay attention to your surroundings. You'll be surprised at what happens across you. Um, you can do it uh, in an urban setting too. find a doorway and stop and wait or, um, you know, in a backyard or in a, in a covered and concealed place in a park. 
sit and wait before crossing a road or 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 crossing a danger area to make sure nothing else is going on. Um, it's just a vital, vital skill and a habit to get into. Uh, always stop and do one of these before and after crossing a danger area. Like remember we talked about crossing a road just a minute ago. <laughs> I would stop and do one for five minutes before I cross the road to make sure no one is coming. But then after I cross that road, I'm going to turn around and do another one and watch the road I just crossed. Because what if what if I crossed that road, but there was another uh, group watching the road to try and rob people or, 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 or whatever to get their supplies and they saw us cross the road? They're going to get up and try to follow us. Right. So by stopping and watching behind me for five to ten minutes, I'll see them get up and start moving uh, and then I'll know that there's there's danger. Uh, shortcutting any of this increases the risk to you and your team. And like I always say, our goal is to not get involved in any issues. And the best way to do that is to stop and listen and make sure we're not being followed and there's not other people around. Or you could use the Brooke method and just blast the shit out of them. Okay, moving forward. <laughs> talk, okay. Talk, talk about the different formations you list here. And just a couple points before you begin. Remember that this is like an audio-only podcast for the listeners. Um, because there are some graphics in this chapter, it's best for you to get the book to follow along. But we always, you know, on something specific like this, we definitely want to tailor it for um, someone who just has to think about it without looking at the book. So go ahead. Yeah. And talk about who who is oh, yeah. Robert's Rangers. Explain that a little bit. That's that's the guy okay. from the movie Turn, right? Uh, could be, probably. Oh, you uh, haven't seen no, that no, series? Actually, no, Robert Rogers Rangers was way before that. It was 1759. It was the the French and Indian War. But he, okay. he I suppose he could still have been around by the Revolutionary War. It's only 20 years difference. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it was him. But, go but ahead. I always this first one. Uh, it, it's a file formation and. A lot of people use the term ranger file, and we saw the FBI use the term ranger file in their uh, indictment documents for January 6th. They said oh. the uh, the the Oath Keepers moved in a ranger file. I know that sounds cool, right? Oh, it's a ranger file. It must have special. It's literally the same single file line that you learned in elementary school while waiting to go to the library. I mean, seriously, it's just a single file line. And um, for January if, 6th, it's really the Fed file. Right. Yeah. Uh, so this comes from from Rogers Rangers. Uh, Major Roger Robert Rogers led a group of uh, Americans in the French and Indian War uh, fighting for the British. And he set out a set of rules called the Standing Orders of Rogers Rangers. Uh, and these became the foundation for our U.S. Army Rangers, who are soldiers who want to be Marines, just so we're clear. Uh, <laughs> Always starting so, scandals. Army, that joke. I can't. Um, so they had one of their rules was when we're on the march, we march single file. Far enough apart so that one shot can't go through two men. Mm. Well, that's pretty solid advice. It comes from all the way back in 1759. So basically to make a file formation, the entire group just makes a single file line. Uh, but each person should be five to 10 meters apart, and that's 15 to 33 feet. So it's quite a good distance. Uh, if you're much closer together, um, a couple of things happen. It's noisier because everyone's trudging through the same stuff, kicking up leaves and stuff. Um, it, it also encourages people to talk to each other, right? Uh, if they're farther a, a, a apart, they're not going to talk to each other, and they're going to pay more attention to what's going on around them. Uh, and it also keeps people from hitting each other in the face with branches, uh, having a little bit more distance between them. <clears throat> One of my biggest problems in watching uh, war movies like Platoon and the others is that everyone is right on top of each other when they're walking, and that's just not realistic. Um, so anyway, getting uh, getting five to ten meters apart, walking in a straight line, um, forces people to pay attention. It, it takes up less space um, uh, left to right, so you're able to keep moving. Um, the person you have in front uh, should be your best person at moving quietly because they're going to be the one who sees or hears somebody else first, right? They're also responsible for navigation. They're going to be the one who makes sure we're still going in the right direction. So they should have a map and compass and, and all that kind of stuff. Um the last person at the very, very back is responsible for rear security, but they don't do that by walking backwards. Uh, when I trained at Blackwater, they have they have three rules. Rule number one is always look cool. Uh, rule number two is always look like you you know what you're doing. And rule number three is if you don't know what you're doing, look cool. Uh, walking backwards and falling down violates all three of those rules. So um, don't walk backwards. If you're going to watch the back, the best way to do it is to turn around and take a knee. 
and watch behind, then get up and start walking again and keep doing that, right? Um, because if you walk backwards, you're not going to see where you're going and you're going to fall down. Um, it's just one of those things. That person at the end, he can look left and right, but he also is responsible for watching behind them every now and then. Then the people in the middle between the first person and last alternate which direction they're looking to either right or left, right? The, the first person might look to the left, the next person covers the right, so that we're watching all the way around the entire time we're walking. Um, if we're so focused only on front or back, a threat could come at us from the right or left. So we have to pay attention all the way around, uh, all 360 degrees of a circle. So that's basically the file formation, just one straight line, everyone look in their own direction. Now, if I'm in the file formation and we decide to stop, um, and we, we call a halt, you might use a hand signal, you might call it on the radio, whatever. Everyone's going to take two or three steps in the direction they're watching. So if I'm watching left, I'm going to take two or three steps to the left. If I'm watching right, I'm going to take two or three steps to the right before I take a knee. That way we're holding a bigger circle, right? And not everyone's bunched up in one straight line uh, while we're halted. Uh, it enables people to move down the middle to talk to each other or the leader to go and check on everyone uh, or whatever. So just take a couple steps before taking a knee behind some cover when you halt. So that's the file formation. The next one we have is a column, which is literally just two files side by side. So um, if you're going to walk, you can use this one like I, I would guess most commonly in a city. So instead of one file down the middle of the road, I'm going to have a column, which is a file on each side of the road close to the buildings. Right. So that's a that's a column formation. And basically what's going to happen is, is the, the people in front watch the front, people in back watch the back. But the people in the middle, instead of looking outboard, they're going to look across the street at the buildings on the opposite side of the road because they can see them better. And so both sides are looking across the road and you are watching all the way around, uh, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, they're just looking across. So that's what a column is. And then the line is, is the very last one. And it's when we're getting somewhere that we want to check out or we think there's someone in front of us or whatever. Instead of being in a straight line behind us in a file formation, we're just going to extend our line out shoulder to shoulder. Uh, but still keeping that five to 10 meters between each other and walk forward together in one great big line. Um, it's a great way to cross a road so everyone gets across it fast. Um, if we decide someone's following us and we want to do an ambush with them, we'll get in a quick line formation and lay down. Um, but the thing about this is the people on the ends have to watch to the right or left, right? So if I'm on the far right end, I also have to watch to the right. If I'm on the far left, I also have to watch to the left. And someone in the middle should turn around and watch behind you uh, to make sure that, that no one is coming up behind you while you're in that line formation. So those are the three most basic ones. When we get into book four, you'll learn some different ones, some more advanced ones for, for more specific applications, but these will get you moving in certain areas. So the line formation generally while moving, the column formation when you get in like close territory, whether it's, whether it's a, um, a river valley or walking down a city street or whatever, um or a trail and then the line formation when you're coming up on a road or you're crossing something you want to get across quickly all right well just a reference uh robert rogers is he was in the french and indian war and he was also with the queen's queen's rangers if you haven't watched the show turn washington spies it's incredible it's not only very well made it's very interesting and he was in the, he's super vicious oh hi what's her name again hi lucy that's Lucy, our mascot. Um, yeah. OK, so what are th the three basic team movement techniques? All right. So if you've got uh, um, your 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 teams are set up or your buddy pairs are set up, whichever you can do this either by four man fire teams or, or two man buddy pairs. Um, the first one is traveling. That's just everyone moving along together. Keeps going um, as one group. Traveling overwatch is where we're going to put a distance. So I might have one buddy pair in front, but then there's like 30 to 50 meters, like 100 feet between them. That way, if somebody attacks the first two, the other guys are in a position to move and help them. Right. So uh, if I'm in like wide open territory, I would spread the groups out further apart uh, and use what's called traveling overwatch. Um, and then the third one. Uh, is what's called bounding overwatch. And that's where your teams break up into smaller units and only one team moves at a time. And the other ones are are, are down in a, in a security position, laying down in solid cover, 
while one team moves, then that team gets in cover, then the next team moves. What does uh, bounding mean? Bounding, well, that's what I'm just saying. So I've got, let's say I have two groups, right? One team lays down and takes cover. The next team bounds like a rabbit, like runs forward to the oh, next okay. position and oh, stops. Okay. They take cover. Then the first team that was already taking cover bounds forward again. So it's like leapfrog, right? Okay. They're going to move alternately. Only one group moves and the other waits and watches. I might do that like if I had been walking uh, in the woods and I came across a small um, built up area, like five or six houses. I might switch to bounding overwatch where one group watches while the next group moves through. Then they turn around and watch while that first group moves through. It's just a more secure way that that less of your people are moving at one time. And therefore, anyone watching will only see one small group rather than the whole group moving at once. And this has been shown now, now that I know what that means in several movies. Absolutely. Yeah. OK. OK, so go ahead. No, that's it. That, that, that was just all I was going to say. All right. Recap the chapter for team organization and movement. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, team movement is complex and detailed. People don't spend enough time on this. Everyone wants to go to the range and shoot. Everyone <laughs> wants to learn all the cool guy skills, but nobody spends time just learning how to move as a team of six or eight people, right? So we need to spend a lot of time on that. Having proper movement can, can increase your security and safety. Uh, you've got to invest time in just moving together as a group. Uh, I know there's a lot more formations than what we just talked about on these three, but you have to get good at using these three before you start doing more advanced things where you're like echeloning people to the left or right or you're doing some sort of a triangle where everyone's moving. These things are hard to do. So start with the basics and practice them. Uh, like I said, everyone wants to go to the range and shoot or, or do some sort of building clearing, which you'll probably never actually use. Um, but this you would be using literally every single day. And people are like, well, I know how to walk. Yeah, but you don't know how to walk in a team with a group while or keeping quietly. each other safe. Or quietly. Absolutely. Yeah. So get out there and practice doing this, um, just walking together as a group. And you can combine it with other things. Hey, we want to go and practice using our, our camping gear. Well, that's fine. Rather than driving right to your campsite, drive somewhere that's a couple of uh, couple hours walk away from it and practice moving to your campsite. Right. In a secure manner, get out there in the file formation, move and traveling overwatch and then switch to bounding overwatch, doing whatever you're doing. But learning how to actually move like this will help you more in the long run than all that time at the range shooting holes in paper. Um, yeah. So got to remember to our philosophy. First, we secure ourselves and our families in a secure and well-defended location. That's the basis of the first two books. Um, once that's done, then you can go out there like Mad Max and go out there and fight all the bad guys or or be the Wolverines and resist the, the, the Russians invading Ukraine or, or whatever. But if you can't move together and you can't protect your gear and have basic fieldcraft skills, you're not going to be able to do any of that. So spend the time learning how to do these things. All righty. And then uh, you want to just detail the training standard as we wrap up that chapter. Right, so the standard is you need to be able to define a buddy pair. You need to be able to demonstrate the short halt posture, which is that getting in cover but on one knee with your backpack on. Uh, demonstrate the long halt posture, which is how to get down and set your backpack properly in, while you're in the prone position. Uh, explain what security and observation sectors are, like where each person watches. Explain SLLS uh, and what each letter means and when it should be done. Uh, demonstrate how to move in a file formation. Demonstrate how to move in a column. And then demonstrate how to move in a line, those three basic things we did. And then be able to explain those three movement techniques, traveling, traveling overwatch, and bounding overwatch, uh, so that you can explain them uh, and, and that proves that you know them and, and you can do them. Yeah. Well, I guarantee, like myself, after reading this and talking about this, that people are going to look at those movies differently on how the military. I mean, so much, again, reading this is like I just thought to myself how great it is that we we're actually doing a podcast with someone who has trained by the United States Marine Corps. So we get the benefit of that and all this experience and all of this knowledge for like the price of a book. Well, <laughs> Tech, and, I, and I'll tell you this, you know? uh, I, I always talk about the people who want to get together and go out and, and their, their preparedness training consists of, you know, talking about purifying water and then shooting targets and then talking <laughs> about cooking their food over an open fire and then shooting targets. But in the Marines, you spend an entire week 
without any ammunition in your rifle, learning how to move in these movement techniques, it's that important. Eight yeah. hours a day, uh, eight to 12 hours a day for seven days, learning just how to walk together as a group. Uh, it's that important. It really yeah. is. Well, in SEER training, you don't get any weapons, right? Well, you got to make them. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have food. You don't have you have to get your own food and you have to make your own weapons. OK. Is there anything that you thought about for this chapter after you wrote it that you would want to include? Um, I, I think I probably would have thrown in a graphic for the Overwatch thing and, and that'll that'll go into book uh, book four. Oh, um, okay. But but really, that's that's it. Just spend the time and a lot of time learning to move together. OK, so now to wrap up this book, we're going to do a full recap of best practices from three types of operations structures. The Australian SAS lead scout tips to standing orders by Robert Ra Roberts Rogers Rangers in 1759. And then, of course, saving the best for last, the School of Infantry West, the United States Marine Corps. While this is not all of them, it's a good comprehensive list. So uh, go ahead and read those off, Joe. Well, first, I want, I want to do this, this verse that we have at the beginning of this chapter, right? So chapter 15 says fieldcraft tips. And here's the thing. Um, this proverb is, is so vital. The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. So listen, I want to talk to my veteran brothers out there. You're going to think, yeah, I know fieldcraft front and back because I was in the military. Listen, I combined several different countries' militaries to come up with these. There's always something you can learn. So, so I think that the whole point of that proverb is that we might think we know things, but why not listen to this advice and see if there's something better that comes from it, right? And then, and uh, if you're out of the military for a long time, when is the last time you did any of this stuff? Absolutely. Get down and do a low crawl and tell me how your stomach feels, right? <laughs> how your muscles feel. So now I'm not going to feel good at all. Yeah. Um, and, and when I when I when we say USMC School of Infantry, I got to do a little intermarine uh, rivalry. These come from School of Infantry West because us Hollywood Marines are way cooler and way smarter than you swamp Marines who came out of Lejeune. So just saying. Ugh. All right. Send me the uh, emails, people. Send us the emails. We want the heat. We want the smoke. Go ahead. Right on. All right. So from the Australian SAS lead scout tips, there's a lot of things. Um, don't signpost. And that means don't leave evidence of your travels, right? All of your trash is either buried or carried out with you. Don't leave evidence that you were there. Uh, move with stealth and never at speed. That makes noise. This is a common problem because people do what's called rucking, which is a fitness activity now. And it's also a great way to train for what we're talking about. But they always try to do that at four miles an hour. You can't move four miles an hour in the woods and be quiet. You can move one mile an hour in the woods and be quiet, but not four. So don't go fast um, because it will make noise. That's move how they quiet. train the Marines, right? One mile. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And absolutely. Uh, never push on when you're so tired that you can't concentrate or your alertness is slipping. Yeah, if you're really, really tired, uh, take a break. Uh, never look at the ground when moving forward. And I fall victim to this all the time. If I look at the ground, I'm going to trip on something. I'm going to make noise. I might glance at the ground to see what's ahead of me and then look ahead while walking. Um, looking at the ground is how you trip and how you uh, walk right into an ambush. Go around a thick brush rather than through it. Your pack will make noise. You might be able to step through it, but your backpack sticks out behind you. So go around thick brush. Uh, never let your weapon be more than an arm's length away. That's that's just common sense. Um, wear your belt kit at all times and, uh, and have it within arm's reach while sleeping. Now, we talked about that when we were talking about setting up mm -hmm. your campsite. Always use listening halts. That's that SLLS where we stop and listen for a little bit. Um, when stopping to have a meal or, or, or whatever, leave one person 100 meters back, then check 100 meters on all sides. It does you no good to sit down to lunch right next to another armed group doing the same thing. They learned this in Malaysia, right? So they were out there moving around. Once one of their groups went to have lunch and the bad guys were having lunch right next to them. And when they smelt each other's food, oh, uh, bad things happened. So before you stop to have lunch, check 100 meters all the way around you uh, before actually having lunch. The curry is the tell. Right on. Right on. Uh, put up your shelters at last light and be ready to move by first light. So that means put up your, your tent or tarp, whatever you're using, as late as possible and take it down as early as possible. It's not like normal camping where the first thing we do is set up the tents, right? It should be the last thing you do. Um, 
and that's even if you're using a tent. Uh, more often than not, in this kind of situation, I'd probably just sleep in a in a, in a sleeping bag. When camping, uh, try to select a site where a surprise night attack would be impossible. So like somewhere where there's thick brush all around you and someone would have to make noise to get to you. Uh, don't use trails and try not to leave tracks. That means don't step in soft mud or, or things like that. Uh, do your best to stay on, on hard surfaces and stay off of trails. Um, so the next ones uh, come from Rogers Rangers. Uh, we're going to get into more detail on these in, in book four. Um, but these things from 1759 make as much sense now. So uh, his first one was have your musket clean as a whistle, hatchet scoured, and 60 rounds powder and ball, and be ready to march at a minute's warning. Uh, so for a modern translation is keep your weapons clean, a full ammo load, and your gear packed at all times, always ready to go. Uh, seems kind of common sense, makes sense. Um, when you're on the march, act the way you would if you were sneaking up on a deer. That just basically means move quietly, just like we heard from the Australians earlier. Uh, don't ever take a chance you don't have to. So if there's a group of other people moving, just wait them out. Lay down. Let them walk past you. You don't have to get involved in everything. Uh, when we're on the march, we march single file, far enough apart so that one shot can't go through two men. We just talked about that. That's the mm -hmm. file formation. Uh, if we strike swamps or soft ground, we spread out our breast so that it's hard to track us. And that's that line formation, right? Spread out so that you're all shoulder to shoulder and start going. Uh, when we march, we keep moving until dark. Um, yeah, use all of the time that you can. When we camp, half the party stays awake and the other half sleeps. We talked about that back in our, our thing on setting up your campsite, right? Somebody has to be on security all night. Don't ever march home the same way. Take a different route so you won't be ambushed. Yeah, don't fall into patterns when you're out moving around. Every night, And that goes for running. Like if you're running try it by yourself as a female, try to take different routes. You're just setting yep. yourself up. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyways. Uh, Every night you'll be told to meet if surrounded by a larger force. This is something important. Every time your group stops, make a plan for if you hear someone coming at night. And that's usually for everyone to separate out, leave individually, and meet somewhere back along their earlier trail. So every night you should set that up. Uh, don't sit down to eat without posting sentries. Right. Not everyone should be eating at the same time. It's generally half and half. Uh, this is one of my favorite ones. Don't sleep beyond dawn. Dawn is when the French and Indians attack. Uh, it's classic. Uh, don't cross a river by a regular ford. So in other words, if there's a bridge, don't use it. Or if there's a spot where everyone else is crossing it, get away from it because we want to avoid other people as much as possible. Uh, and when you're crossing a river, like at a bridge or whatever, that's a choke point, right? You're restricted to the normal road roadway that everyone is using. Instead, if I cross it, over the river itself somewhere else um, someone might not be watching that spot they might be watching the bridge uh, don't stand up when the enemy's coming against you kneel down lie down hide behind a tree um, actually in 1759 that was a new concept right they all lined up in great big lines and, and fought and these guys are like well that's kind of dumb i don't want to get shot so anyway yeah those, those lines in every revolutionary movie and even civil war movies it's like yeah it's insane we actually did that all the way up through uh, up to the beginning of World War One. So yeah. uh, I'm glad we got rid of that. But these are just some of Rogers Rangers tips. There'll be a lot more uh, in book four um, because it's really the foundation of it. So uh, good stuff. Um, now, these ones come uh, from a from a little individual handbook printed by the School of Infantry West, uh, written by some some recon Marines in that. And it's a lot of great stuff. So um, these are good tips. Every single person has a knife and a wristwatch. You need to know what time it is. You need to be able to coordinate times together, or you can actually use a watch to determine your direction. You got to have everything, right? And we uh, talked about this last week, is that you could get a watch with a compass even better. Absolutely. A compass right on the wristband. Yeah. Um, everyone's gear stays packed at all times. Uh, and I talk about this a lot. The biggest problem people get into is they, they get to their overnight campsite and they want to take everything out and kind of move in and then pack it all back up in the morning. Just take out what you need, right? I even pack like my changes of clothes in their own little individual um, zippered bag so I can just pull out that one little bag, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it just makes life easier when everything is organized and put away all the time. Be able to find your gear in the dark silently and without lights. So this goes to that point of where if I'm camping and we hear someone coming in the dark, 
I need to be able to grab all of my stuff silently without turning on a flashlight to find it. I got to know where everything is. Uh, when ending a halt, people get up, personnel get up one at a time rather than all at once. So we talked about that, that stop, look, listen, smell. Instead of everyone getting up, have people get up one at a time. Um, and I know this is going to sound harsh, but if somebody was watching it had seen us kneel down and we're getting ready to ambush us, uh, it's better if just Johnny gets up and gets shot. Then everyone gets up and everyone gets shot. Poor right? Johnny. So Poor sad. Johnny. Yeah. Never liked the kid anyway, but uh, that's why we always have Johnny, him. man. Yeah. Um, we always have him check the check the roads for mines. <laughs> Johnny, use, use your foot. Um, tape everything that makes noise with black or camouflage tape uh, so that it doesn't make noise anymore and it's not bright and shiny. Wear your gear tight to reduce noise. A lot of people have their belt on or their backpack on loose. If I'm running with a loose backpack, it makes a lot of noise. If I'm running with a tight backpack, it doesn't make a lot of noise. So wear everything tight. Um, and another point about that is um, when it comes to body armor, a lot of people wear their plates loose for airflow. But if that plate is loose, think about what happens when a bullet hits it. It's then going to slam the plate into you. Uh, Unless it was tight against your body, it was already there. Wear everything as tight as you can. Now, I want to qualify that sentence because we've already discussed not to wear jeans in a without rule of law situation. So you not only can't wear your jeans, you can't wear them tight and no skinny jeans. They are verboten for our you know, per, for the reminds, purpose of our discussion. <laughs> one of my one of my least favorite uh, firearms trainers, uh, young lad, Mr. Botkin, put out a video this weekend of him training in his in his skinny jeans again. And I'm like, oh. that's silly. It works great on YouTube videos, but it doesn't work very well in real life. Anyway, that's a good yeah. point. Uh, when it's very cold outside, keep your compass in an inside pocket to keep the liquid from thickening. Uh, you don't want your compass to not work. So wear it inside your coat. Um, buy a supply of burlap and cut it into strips of varying lengths and widths and just kind of keep it in a bag to use for camouflage. I can tie it to everything when I need to, uh, and I might need different shapes and sizes uh, to hide things. Um, a great place to get that is a craft store. Mm. Uh, camouflage your optics and weapons with burlap and rubber bands, because here's the thing. Everyone tends to camouflage themselves and things, but a rifle looks like a rifle unless you camouflage it. Just make sure that you're not interfering with how the optics or the gun works. Um, a small section of camouflage netting can camouflage your ruck or backpack. You can just lay it over the top of it. Um, what I do is I, I strap um, a small camouflage net to the very top of my backpack, and then I can undo it, and it gives my backpack um, a more irregular appearance if I'm laying down or staying in a fixed location for a while. Uh, use small bungee cords to camouflage your belt kit, which will attach things to it. Um, so you can put like brush through your through your belt and things like that. If you've got little small bungee cords, um, there's a company that makes great little ones that are specifically for that. And they're called arc bands. Uh, great stuff. Uh, I actually am playing with a bunch of them on my desk while we talk because for some reason they were on my desk today. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, wet down the dirt in front of your position. So if I if I dig a fighting hole and I've been there for a while and the sun's been cooking the dirt in front of me. If I fire a rifle from there, the, the dust is going to kick up. But if I wet down the dirt in front of me, that's not going to happen. So Little details, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I talk about this all the time. A Mylar blanket camouflaged into your overhead cover can defeat thermal optics. Um, that's why I keep a thermal tarp that's camouflaged on one side and thermal on the other. Uh, and I actually just got a second one the other day. Um, if I'm if I build up a fighting position or or I set up my tent, I can throw this thermal top over it, and uh, I can defeat thermal optics if someone was looking for me with 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 flur or something like that. Right, we've talked about this too with the drones. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Somebody who has a drone is not going to be able to, to use any heat features on it. Yeah. Um, when camouflaging a vehicle, cover reflective surfaces like windows with something that doesn't reflect. Because I can have my vehicle all camouflaged, but if somebody shines a light at it and the light reflects back, they're going to see it. So cover windows with something non-reflective. Throw a tarp over it, whatever. Um, always keep canteens and water bottles completely full or completely empty to reduce noise. The sound of water sloshing around in your canteens can draw attention pretty quickly. Um, now, that doesn't happen with a camelback because as you drink it, it pulls the air out of it as well. Hmm. 
So um, that's one benefit to a camelback. Uh, in cold weather, store your canteens upside down to pretend to prevent the top from freezing due to exposure to the cold. Um, I know that seems weird, but that's why there's straps on your canteen pouches. Um, and if you're, even if you're using any kind of water bottle, store it upside down. Um, roll up and secure all straps on your rucker backpack. Use taper elastic. So when you tighten down your backpack, there's those hanging straps. Tighten those down so they don't get caught on anything or make noise. Um, and then pack your ruck the same way every single time so you can always find your gear. So what that means is I put my MREs in the same place or my food in the same place every single time. I put my gloves in the same place every single time so that I can open it and find it without doing too much digging and looking. And do you talk to your team about is this was that one of the things that you talk to your team about, too? about having all of their packs the same like you talked about belt yes. kits like all your you know this goes on this place in the belt kit so that if anybody used another belt kit or a, a med kit you can all have the same thing structured the same absolutely absolutely everyone does that that way all of the time and and even in the executive protection world we do that right everyone carries their sidearm in the same place spare mm -hmm. ammo is in the same place everyone has the same kind of gun so that i can grab a magazine off johnny's hip if i need to and every one of us carries a, a first aid kit in the same spot so that we all know where it is uh same thing with your backpacks have everyone set them up the same so you're pulling uh, his ammo off after he got shot johnny it's not nice. Um, he, might <laughs> shot, he might be shot. He might not. Right. I might pull it off while he's engaging someone and I need one. Uh, if I know he's got one, I know right where it is. and I can get it. Uh, just make sure you never take his emergency one, which is the, the first the the front one. Uh, all right. So if your ruck has outer sustainment pouches, mine does. So like pouches on the outside, use one for your food and, and, and eating gear so that you don't have to dig in your main backpack to get it. The other side should include your uh, rifle cleaning gear and your hygiene kit. So these are the things you're gonna use the most, right? My food and eating stuff and my stuff cleaning my body and my and my weapons. Uh, I'm gonna put those on the outside where I can get at them. Uh, and they're not, um, they're not tucked away, right? I, I can get to them without going through my whole backpack. Uh, inside the ruck, store everything in kits, like waterproof or Ziploc bags. Have a hygiene kit, a sock kit, an underwear kit. Like I said before, having those modules and bags makes it easier to find things in your backpack and only take out what you need, right? And then put it right back in the same way. Um, this is one that a lot of guys don't think about. Shaving is done in the evening to allow protective oils on your face to replenish overnight. When you shave, you scrape off that top layer and some of the oils that will protect your skin from bugs and, and cuts and things that exist in the real world uh, will will regrow overnight so shave at night not in the morning guys wow uh, uh, urine can emit a strong odor so use the heel of your boot to make a small hole urinate in the hole and cover it after use um, these are really small things that can mean a big difference in in real life um, never sleep in wet gear always change out of your wet gear before going to bed because you can get very sick if you sleep in wet gear and then your sleeping gear gets wet so change before going to bed if you're wet. I have you're a question about the sleeping thing because I was – something that you said before I was about you sleeping. Well, I would not going to set up a tent. I'm just going to sleep in my sleeping bag. Is there – because all I could think of was being on the ground and having like a beetle or a snake or some kind of crazy bug, scorpion or something. Is there something that you could have like – I was thinking like I did laundry yesterday and I you have a bag where you can put – it's a mesh bag where you can put – sort of like delicates or something like that to put them in where they're not getting um, trashed, you know, thrashed around in the machine. Is there something that you could put over yourself that's light enough to be able to, you know, keep those bugs out? Well, um, you could buy what's called a bivy sack. And, and uh -huh. that's that's what I use because I, I have the U.S. Marine Corps sleeping system and it has a bivy sack that the sleeping bag goes inside. And essentially it's a small tent that's exactly the size of your sleeping bag. Right. OK, so it's a little bit sturdier material. It has its own zipper in addition to the zipper that's on your on your tent. And, and the U.S. Marine Corps one has a, a, a net screen over your face so you can zip it all the way up over your head. And you've got a net screen where you can still breathe, but bugs can't get in. Snakes can't get in. Anything can't get in. But I wouldn't worry too much about snakes at night unless I'm in a uh, really, really warm area. Snakes at night uh, don't. That, that's not a that's not a thing. 
Yeah, well, Jesse Kelly talked about training over, I think it was in Cambodia or Vietnam, and I'm like... Yes, that yeah. would be a problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's about 29 palms, which is a desert, and the snakes were out most of the night there, yeah. too, so... Yeah, it's like a burka bag, snakes. effectively, right? <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, it really is. You just get in there, and it, and, it, and, it, and it holds yours. And I also have another tent that's slightly bigger than that that I can put the whole thing inside, too. Mm-hmm. So they do make tents that are just sleeping bag size. Okay. So that, that's a good question. Um, if an enemy is known to be close, wear your boots while sleeping uh, so that you can get up and move if you have to. If not, put them right next to you, but cover them to prevent uh, animals and insects from entering. And I know a lot of people used to say just set them upside down. No, literally put something over the top because if you set them upside down, they can still crawl in. Um, but if I uh, if I put like a baggie over the top, they can't get in. Um. All gear is packed away before going to sleep each night. That, that goes to that whole I might have to get up and leave in the middle of the night thing, right? And if I got to leave my sleeping bag, I'd rather leave my sleeping bag than literally all of my other stuff. Um, don't wear hoods or cover ears with hats when listening. Um, I know that seems silly, but uh, you know a lot of people like to wear the hood on their hoodie. Take it off if you want to hear things. Um, metal on metal sounds are inherently man-made. We just talked about that a few minutes ago. Uh-huh. Uh, you hear anything metal on metal, that means humans are nearby. Uh, smoking ruins your sense of smell. and can be detected from a long way off, and at night it can be seen from a long way off. Don't smoke. Uh, it's that simple. Well, it's nasty you know, anyway. So a law situation happens, a lot of people are going to go on a no-smoking program, like literally overnight, because there won't be any cigarettes to be had. So. Well, that's one of the things we mentioned last week, that they're trading in uh, in Venezuela. Like they have, you know, after they had, ate all the zoo animals – you know, they're having a li- there's a list of like 11 things that they're bartering. And one of them is for uh, cigarettes and I'm sure crack and meth and all that kind of crazy stuff. Is there anything after you wrote this chapter that you would have included? You know, there are millions and millions and millions of tips in there. But what one that, I'll, that I will add is this. Uh, if you're armed with any type of a, of a firearm each morning, uh, unload the, the, the firearm and switch out which round was in the chamber. The reason for that is is that uh, the round that was in the chamber uh, and had the barrel exposed, condensation could have gotten inside the barrel and on the round. And I just want to swap that out until that round dries off and use a oh. different round in the chamber. Um, Good point. Changes the pressure. Thing. Yeah. Good point. And just remember, there's always a – I'm so sad I missed Twitter, and I hope Elon will put me back on. But there's always some kind of, you know, war on guns on Twitter. And just remember, the Glock rocks, even when I didn't clean it. You know, my hypothetical Glock, of course, Agent Jensen. Uh, no, even when I don't clean it, it still fires fine. So right. don't hate on the Glock, man. But clean your weapons every single day in the field. I know. All right. All right. Anyways, um, is there anything happening in the realm of politics this week other than the absolute glory of a judge striking down dementia's face diaper mandate? And, of course, that uh, Elon Musk is... Hopefully buying Twitter and putting Big Papa on so he can kill, you know, make all the libs go on suicide watch. Anything that we need to be aware of for. uh, You need to really watch developments out of Grand Rapids, Michigan uh, mm. and see what happens come this weekend, because it really could be touching off uh, a summer of love. So um, with the midterms coming, we need to see if they're going to expand those riots outward because they can impact your life. Um, Yeah. Like I said, check out my YouTube channel where I talk about that. Um, there's also some renewed rioting in South Africa and next Monday, we're going to have a guy from South Africa on our YouTube show. Uh, and I'm going to do a one-on-one interview with him on my own YouTube channel afterward, uh, where we talk about the problems in South Africa, because I say this, what happens in South Africa eventually comes here every single time. So be paying attention to that. What do you uh, mean by that? Um, well, specifically, uh, so last year, the KwaZulu-Natal riots uh, were happening uh, just after our George Floyd riots. And it was uh, basically one state in South Africa had a complete collapse of law and order, right? Well, uh, is that not something we're starting to see begin to happen here, where New York City is essentially a lawless state, where assaultive crimes are just going on, ongoing, and they're not stopping? Uh, so if you look at South African history, we're generally about two years behind them in their collapse. South Africa's problems were caused by 
um, yes, apartheid was a problem, but they went way the other way on the identity yeah. politics and made it so much worse um, that now they're 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 having um, an inability to produce food, an inability to produce things in general, uh, and complete and total lawlessness because I mean companies are forced to hire certain percentages of employees from from different races and things like that. And what it's doing is it's making nobody work because nobody wants the job and you can't hire the most qualified people for the job uh, or vice versa. Right. You might have a great qualified black applicant, but you're already at your quota and you have to hire uh, someone of Indian descent in order to fill that role in your company. And, and that's where we're headed here. Right. Yeah. Um, so so that's kind of what I say is just watch how their identity politics go. And it comes here. And this morning, there's some sort of looting going on again in a, in a retail area. So um, just over there. Keep, what's that? Over there. Yeah. Outside yeah. of Johannesburg. Yeah. Well, so, the only difference, though, is that here it's a minority like it. The race is totally flipped because the and they were that's why they were killing the farmers. You talked about like they can't grow food. Well, you you were not under apartheid. Look, apartheid is a horrible, horrific system. Yes. But like you said, they went the other way. And then you had Mandela, who was a communist. Like nobody seems to you know want to talk about that. But they're they don't know how to grow food because the white farmers were growing food. And if you kill the white farmers and you don't know how to grow food, you're going to be kind of screwed here. It's the difference because it's majority white with a minority black population. But you know, and who controls the food here? It's it's not well, them. Just saying. I think here um, we, we have we have to stop using the term uh, white and black because we're rapidly replacing both the white and black uh, populations here with Hispanic populations. Correct. People that we don't know who they are. Yeah, of right? course. Yeah. And, and and there's a thing uh, you should research called the Reconqui- Reconquista, and that's where oh, I know it. Yeah. Drug yeah. cartels and people like that are are seeing an opportunity to replace the population and then take back the territory that Spain and Mexico lost in, in, in the wars against the U S. So, um, yeah, there's absolutely an opportunity for a South African situation, but it's not necessarily black and white. Uh, and really when you look at Zimbabwe, which used to be called Rhodesia, that's exactly what happened there is they drove off the white farmers and they couldn't feed themselves. Their economy collapsed. Uh, and, and you would think South Africa being right next door would have learned from that lesson, but they're on on the same boat and headed on the same path. So. Yeah. Well, so I would watch what South Africa. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, look, you know, hope is in short supply for me with with the change of these these idiot liberals, I have to say. But but part of me thinks, you know, and and. I think it's going to have to get worse, unfortunately. But we're at a point now where you have in California, right, you have the rich white liberals who are now getting guns. The people who complain about guns are now getting guns because Beverly Hills is getting trashed. And then you have the shooting of, of course, and I think you called it right away, the black supremacist in. uh, Mm. Was he a black Hebrew Israelite, too? He was indeed, just like yeah, I said. Just like you said, we literally talked about that last week on the show. He shot up the, the train. Now, Eric Adams is a total joke and moron. I mean, whatever. But at some point, here's the deal. Karen is going to start bitching. When Karen starts bitching, because they don't care if Aisha bitches or Tyrone. They don't care if black people bitch about it. And I guess they don't. I don't know if they do or not. They call their their representatives, you know, Sharpton out there to pacify. I don't know what it is, Crump and all this kind of stuff. Eventually, if Karen starts bitching loud enough, right, and one of her kids gets popped, that's when it's going to change. Because in D.C., like... They're they're going along with all this stuff, all of these white liberal enclaves where they vote Democrat because they're so stupid and retarded. When they start to get hurt enough, that's when stuff will change. Unfortunately, you know, it really shouldn't have to take that. But it, in liberal areas like that, it that's what it takes. So well, we're also seeing um, um, uh, far left wing groups getting out and getting firearms and tactical training. Uh, and, for example, in, in Saturday's activities in Grand Rapids, they were all wearing body armor. There were lots of long guns and handguns. It's not like it was the first time around, right? Uh, yeah. They're they're upping the game. And as I've said before, they don't want Democrats or Republicans in office. They want a full communist revu- revolution, uh, and they're going to get it. So you have to prepare for that. Uh, and I think that the last thing really to watch for on the world stage uh, is Shanghai, 
there is something going oh, on. Oh, yeah. It's nothing to do with COVID, uh, and it's getting worse. And throughout history, when you look at a nation like China, when threatened with internal strife and economic collapse, what's the best way to recover that for your country? It's an external enemy. And yeah. so what we've saw uh, over the weekend uh, on our uh, Council for Foreign uh, or Council of Future Conflict show is that China has put out over the weekend several um, cartoons depicting Joe Biden as as running all of the evil things in the world. So China is beginning to build the U.S. as that external enemy. Mm-hmm. So we need to really watch that. Uh, and they've issued an ultimatum to us about stop engaging with the Taiwan government. Uh, at the same time that Russia issues an ultimatum to us that says that if we continue to arm the Ukrainians, yeah. we will be considered a combatant. So, uh, yeah, he's War threatening III, to use nuclear uh, weapons. Yeah, yeah, World War Three is knocking on the door. So we need to yeah. really up our preparedness and be ready. Yeah. Well, and also, by the way, like start start growing your own food. I mean, that's you know that's for bugging and stuff, but start growing your own food. I'm doing it on the patio. Well, yeah. I'm, uh, my, my son and I just talked about this on, on Easter Sunday while he was here. Um, we're going to be growing food at our bug out location. So we're going to yeah. go up there and, and get some things going uh, already so that we're ahead of the game. And yeah. here's the thing, guys. If, if we turn out to be totally wrong, what's the worst thing that can happen? Uh, as food prices rise all summer, you're going to have yeah. some food at the end of the end of the summer. Yeah. Cool. It's a win win. There's no loss here for you. Yeah. Well, and a good thing, too, you know, we've talked about this before in regard to like med kit preparations or something. Dollar Tree has a lot of crap like their Band-Aids are not going to stick. So don't even bother with. It. But you can get a big bottle of hydrogen peroxide for $1.25 at Dollar Tree. Alcohol, you know, eight, uh, 10 ounce, 12 ounce, $1.25. They actually have some supplies at Dollar Tree, like peanut butter or big bag of rice, beans, stuff like and that. I keep telling you, Dollar Tree is 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 the best prepper on the planet and yeah the food that you can buy there the canned food um it's in perfect carrying sizes right they're not as big as the one the regular grocery store but they're perfect for throwing in a backpack and carrying with you uh and dirt cheap and you can get plastic baggies there you can get storage things there um some of the medical stuff is good like like antibiotic ointment that is pretty much the same no matter where you buy it so so why spend five bucks when i can spend a dollar 25 Exactly. And they have little yeah. ones, too. So you don't have to. You yep. can have a bunch of. Pat, yeah, it's that's what hey, I'm they doing. They sell toothbrushes, too. I'm just I'm they just sell what? Camouflage toothbrushes. I have one. The package says kids, but I don't know. No one's going to read it. So I don't care. I'm a big kid. Huh? <laughs> I have the pink one. Yeah, I I, ha- I bought both of them and then I gave the other one away. But I have the pink one, too. So. So good stuff, you know, better to have and not need what, like we always say, uh, I I said to Joe, I think it was last week or we were talking offline. I was making a joke. I said, well, you know, it's Easter time and it would be a great time for baby Jay to come back. And he said, was that was you, right? Said, no, no, yes. seven years it, of wars and famine. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't want it. So yeah, I want yeah, to, to come you have back. to go with the prophecy. seven years of war and famine first. Uh, so you have to survive that. Well, the good thing is, is that with eyes to see and ears to hear, and that's why we talk about this, because the people, you know, and that's, of course, why Jesus spoke in parables, because not everybody could hear it. That's why we talk about this stuff. If you're on the on the path to searching for knowledge, you know, you'll come across it and be preparing. The great thing, too, is that there are a gazillion videos on YouTube to do like almost anything for for gardening, for preparing, for homesteading and all that stuff. So good. The, the yeah, information is out there. On how to build these different bags and how to build your belt kit and all that kind of stuff. So that's right. There's this guy named Joe Dolio who wrote all about it. That's right. right. Uh, and of course, we want to give a plug right to uh, Soul Attack. Dump makes some good stuff. Uh, Red Balloon. And then there's another one. Oh, my God. Designs. I'm looking at one of their Exumbers, pouches yeah. right Yep, yeah, I got a brand new Exemplars Designs pouch right here. That's so, um, yeah, buy their stuff. Good stuff, veteran owned, and they make great, great stuff. 
That's right. So tell them, tell them we pimp them out on the podcast when you put it out there. Okay. Thanks again for another great Tactical Tuesdays podcast, Joe. Again, uh, I want to thank you all for listening. Please share not only with your friends, but on social media to be a force multiplier. We are working to provide this information that could potentially save lives. As I always mention, check on your elderly folks. Make sure they're squared away. You can catch all of our podcasts on my website, brooktalksamerica.com, Brooke with an E. And they're also on iHeart, Spotify, Podomatic, Apple, and Google. Joe's website, tactical-wisdom.com, not only has his books available, but his great articles. So be sure to check those out. And again, you're on uh, YouTube. You have a YouTube channel. It's under Joe Dolier or Tactical Wisdom. It's just, it says Tactical Wisdom, but I think it says, uh, you know, youtube.com slash users slash Jay Dolio or something like that. And that'll be on your website. Yep. You can find it. Okay. So hopefully the Musk man speaking of South Africa, buys the Twitter in full, puts Brookie back on, puts Big Papa back on, and we can change the world. Uh, but until then, I am on Getter and Facebook, most active on Getter. Uh, Joe is on both. Anyways, as with all of this stuff, hopefully we'll never need it in real time, but better to have and not need than need and not have. So let's get prepared and see you next week on Brook Talks America Tactical Tuesday. Thank you very much.